Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Amateur Hunter Podcast. Hunter. This week we go into, I guess what we'll call the start of my season, with a little backpacking day and a half trip into my muzzleloading unit uh, with a couple of guys I'll be hunting with. Learned a lot in a very short amount of time. I learned that I easily get lost, that uh, my so-called partners are more than willing to abandon me and leave me for the bears and the moose. I also wound up having a heart-to-heart with my pack and all sorts of other wonderful things that uh, happened in just, uh, I would say, about a 32-hour period. So, without further ado, uh, let's just get into it. So this wonderful adventure begins on Friday, just uh, two short days ago. I uh, packed up my gear, took a half day off of work, piled in one of our uh, hunting buddies' trucks, and away we went, headed west into the mountains. Um, I guess the first thing we learned right off the bat was that our hunting area was a little bit further or took at least a little bit longer to get there than we had intended. Um, I think we started out thinking this was going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of a three-hour drive or a little less Um, and then after the fires that have been going on have kind of jacked some things up and the trail getting up to the actual trailhead was a little uh, wonkier than I think we expected. So uh, I think it wound up taking us four to four and a half hours to get up there, which got us hiking uh, a little bit late in the afternoon, later than we would have liked to. Um, The goal was to get to this area uh, where this lake is and do some scouting for some muleys and some elk to kind of see what we're looking at for the uh, upcoming muzzleloader season. This is... Plan A, I would say, or was Plan A. Um, that's why we wanted to check it out. None of us had ever been up there, so we, we thought it would be a really good place. Um, so we wanted to give it a look before we made the final decision as to where our uh, hunt would begin uh, here in a couple of weeks. So we get there, um, get everything unloaded out of the truck, get our packs on, everything's feeling great, and away we go. And I have hiked with these guys um, a few times now, and it didn't take long for me to come to the realization that they are both much better hikers than I am. I have been working very hard this past year, if you recall from previous episodes, but I am not there yet. I am I am definitely not on their level, and... Uh, and it definitely showed itself on this trip. Um, 
just in the first push alone, which was maybe a mile, I would say, roundabouts, uh, they left me in the dust. I would say they got at least three, four, five hundred yards ahead of me and just stayed that. I mean, I was, you know, doing my best, but I was sucking wind and just could not keep up with them. Um, but we get to, uh, to the ridge that we're looking for. So basically where we're hunting, the trailhead starts outside of our unit. So you actually have to hike about a mile in just to get into our unit. And our unit is bordered by, um, a, a series of peaks. So it's actually really easy to, to navigate and well, for the most part, but the initial thought was uh, from the the mapping that we did and the studying that we did was that we can walk this ridge line all the way to this lake that we're trying to get to. It, it seemed very doable. It didn't seem like a hardcore hike at all. Um, we found out very quickly that we were very mistaken. Um, we started heading kind of walking that ridge line for a bit and it seemed okay and then all of a sudden uh, we are in some pretty nasty stuff and kind of discussing amongst our, amongst ourselves like should we try to make our way down into the valley should we try to stay on this ridge you know what should we try to do and finally came to the conclusion that uh, we're just going to stay on the ridge and keep on chugging along so what winds up happening is that we are basically side-hilling what I would call like, well, if you asked me at the time, it was like an 85-degree incline. I felt like I was holding onto a cliff. Um, obviously, it was not that steep, but I will tell you, for somebody who is not an experienced mountaineer or really even like a western hiker by any stretch again i just moved here four years ago so this is still a pretty new experience for me um it was well let's just say uh booty puckering um to say the least i i saw myself going down this hill and i didn't feel like i was going to be as lucky as the last few times i went down the side of a mountain i, I knew on this one if i started going i was going for about a thousand feet and it wasn't going to end pretty. But uh, by the grace of God, I made it through that. And we got to the end and realized that it was not getting any better. So we decided, well, I think we have to start making our way down. Um, the angle of this, of this cliff didn't change. So instead of, you know going side hilling uh we had to start going down um that was definitely interesting a lot of shale a lot of really loose dirt um it was just not ideal wound up falling a couple of times on my butt and just kind of going for a little slide um i will give a shout out to Eddie Bauer for uh, their pants, their Guide Pro pants, if you're looking for a, a really high quality pant, uh, pair of pants, I just bought these and this was the first real test they got put through. Um, and I slid pretty hardcore on my butt. I've got the marks to show it and uh, they held up, not a single rip or tear. So 
good on you for that. Um, but yeah, so, you know, we're sliding and walking and falling and everything all the way down this hill. We probably, in less than 500 yards, we had to have gone several hundred feet. I mean, I'm horrible with this stuff. Again, my experience is, is very low but to me it, it was almost like every step I took was like a f over a foot of elevation drop I mean it was steep either way we made it down there alive oh I will go back so on the way to our unit and uh you know I'm talking to the guys and I tell them hey you know at this point I've seen quite a bit of uh of wildlife in Colorado but I've yet to see moose in the wild. I've seen, I mean, a ton of different stuff. Um, elk, I've seen muleys, I've seen antelope, I've seen bear. I actually had bear walk into my camp. Um, I've seen all sorts of, of the wildlife that, you know, is native to Colorado, but just had not seen any moose. Um, by the time this trip was said and done, we saw 13 moose. Some really good bulls, uh, a bunch of uh, cows. I saw uh, Mama and, and her calf kind of staring us down, wanting to just destroy us. But anyway, that was a really cool part of it. But we get to the bottom of this hill. Um, and we actually wind up finding the trail that's going to this lake that uh, we were trying to get to. So, it's starting to get a little bit dark out. I mean, this, you can still see the sun, but we we are, I guess you could say we're walking north to south. So, that range of mountains, all those peaks, are to our west, which means that as soon as that sun clears them, that whole valley's in the shadow. So, I mean, even though there's still daylight, you're, you know, it's it's starting to get darker quicker in there. So... I think the guys recognize this, and uh, the goal was to get to this lake, so they start pushing it. Well, as I said earlier, they're in a lot better shape than I am, and uh, I kind of kept getting kind of left behind. Not not what I would say, like I'm blaming them or, or upset with them about it, but, you know, they would go, and then they'd, you know, look back and realize I'd fallen behind, so they'd stop, hold up, wait for me to catch up, and then, you know, we'd push, we'd press on. Um, and this is when we saw that, that cow and her calf, um, they held up, waited for me there. And, uh, and then, you know, we were kind of watching them for a bit and then mama stood up and was kind of staring us down and I, I didn't want to hang out there much longer cause I figured she was going to get fed up with it. And, uh, I was not in a position to fight a cow moose, uh, nor do I think I ever will be, but regardless, so we continue on and, I think I, I had asked Kip, you know, at that point how far out we were, and he said, you know, I, th I think he, he was like less than a mile, you know, maybe like half mile, three quarters of a mile, something like that. I'm like, okay. I'm starting to get pretty worn down. Um, I was pushing it really hard trying to keep up with them, even though I couldn't, but I was still pushing it pretty hard to, to try to at least stay, you know, close. And I'm starting to get kind of gassed. Um and then I, I really, like, um, it, it's kind of swampy. There's it, a lot of water running off through there. And a lot of these places you'll walk through, it, it's you kind of, you're 
your trekking poles get stuck, your boots kind of slosh down, so it just takes a little bit more energy um, to keep moving. And again, for me, you know, I'm I can fully admit that I'm not exactly where I need to be yet. I'm better than what I was, but I need to keep improving. Um, but I'm starting to get pretty gassed out, and uh, I'm really kind of also um, wanting in my head, I keep saying, like, I really want to stop and set up a glassing post because it's starting to get to that magical time of night. So I'd rather, you know, instead of pushing through and, and walking, I'd rather, you know, set up and, and start glassing. But we keep pushing through. Um, and then it really, like, you know, when you hit that point when you're, um, it kind of seems like, you know, sunset takes a while and, and you have light for longer than you think you will but then all of a sudden it's just like boom lights out um so that's what we wound up in and it was kind of a blend of just all of these circumstances lining up to create a mess so again these guys are gone um they're ahead of me out of sight at this point and the the sun is pretty much gone and the light is pretty well gone. I'm in an area I've never been in. And gassed. I, I'm just, at this point, I'm like, you know what? I'm tired. You know, judge me if you want to. Say whatever you will about me. But I, you know, I had pushed it as hard as I could. And I was pretty well ready to be done. I couldn't find them. And at this exact same time, I lost the trail. Could not find the trail at all. So I pull out my Onyx, I kind of take a quick look at it, and this is 100% my mistake. I pull out my Onyx, and there's a little, like, what looks like a dried-up lake down the ridge from where I'm at, and it kind of looks like it's in the same direction of, you know, where they said that this lake was, and it kind of lines up with my Onyx. So I'm like, that's the lake. So I convince myself that's it. And then I say to myself, I'm done. I'm not going down this ridge. This is probably another, I don't know, three, four, five hundred feet down. It's going to be in the dark. I don't have a clue where the trail is, so I'm just going to be bushwhacking trying to get down there. And I was like, I'm done. I don't have any desire to do this at all. I'm ready to set up camp and lay down. It's been a rough day. And so I do. Um, I have a Spot X messenger, I think we talked about it in the gear dump, um, that allows me to send text messages to anybody uh, via satellite. And I remember Jay, uh, one of our guys that's going with us, he's hunted this area before and he said if you're, you know, if you have a decent elevation, you'll have full bars, you'll have full signal. So I just shot Kip a text message and basically said, hey, I'm, uh, you know, I don't know where you guys are at, but I'm done. Like, I'll catch up with you in the morning. And to me, and, and I didn't really think about their point of view. And in, in my point of view, it was I wasn't really upset. I was tired and ready to, to just set it up and be done. But I wasn't, like, mad at them. It was more of like, a, you know, hey, like, we've got all of our own gear. Like, we're not sharing anything, so I don't need anything. It's all with me. I'm just going to set up my camp, I'm going to go to sleep, I'll wake you up in the morning, and, you know, we'll catch up and, and continue on with our scout. Uh, I wouldn't find out later, though. Well, I guess I kind of found out uh, via text. He never got my first text. So, they just, all that they knew was that I was not there. 
and they started freaking out, which I guess is kind of cool, you know, because that shows that they have some form of responsibility. I mean, I, I'd be more nervous about going with guys who are like, yeah, whatever, you know, he'll be okay, maybe. Um, but, yeah, so they uh, they get to the lake, and they realize, uh, yeah, Zach isn't here. Um, he is not here, hasn't been here in, like, we've been waiting for, like, 20 minutes and still no Zach. So they start walking the trail back. And, and, and I find all of this out the next morning. But I guess they were coming down the trail yelling my name. Um, you know, at one point, Kip did text me. He got signal. He texted me. Um, and I just texted him back and said, hey, you know, I'm I'm set up camp. I'm on the northwest side of the lake. Or That's what I thought. And he texted me back. And he's like, hey, we're looking for you. Shine your light. So, you know, I put my light on strobe, and I'm kind of spinning it around and shining it in all different directions. Never hear them. They, I, You know, he doesn't text me to say, hey, I see your light. I, I don't get anything. So I, at this point, I, I am, I'm just, I'm beyond tired. I'd already texted my wife, checked in with her. I was good to go. I'm just ready to lay down and go to sleep. So I shoot him a text. I'm like, hey, I'm fine. I set up camp. I will catch you in the morning. At that point, they had already walked down the trail, um, and Kip had not gotten a text from me yet. And I guess he told Jay. He said, "If if I don't, if we don't find him, or I don't hear back from him by the time we get back to the lake, I'm calling search and rescue." And after he told me that, I, I kind of, you know, was like, "That would have that would have been a very embarrassing uh, venture, and probably very expensive because." They would have called search and rescue, and they would have just walked up on some dude completely knocked out, snoring away in his tent, and and then we would have been footing that you know fifty thousand dollar search and rescue bill. But regardless, um, he gets my message, so they wind up setting up camp. I shut everything down, and I'm out. Um, well, sort of. So. In the midst of all of this, and, and the frustration, and me being tired and just over it, I picked what I would not consider to be a great spot. I, I basically was on what was sort of a plateau. It was still kind of a little bit of a hill, but I was done. I had already decided this is where my, my pack goes down. I'm done here. And so I set the tent up. Um, make the rookie mistake. Well, I'll actually, I mean... Well, yeah, it is a rookie mistake because I never really used uh, sleeping pads. Um, I've never really done backpack hunting. You know, if I've done any kind of hunting or any kind of camping, it's been, you know, where we bring stuff in. I, I truck camp. Um, so it's always sleeping on air mattresses, sleeping on cots. Or, you know, when I was younger, sleeping on the ground. Like, I'm not overly familiar with uh, sleeping pads and didn't realize you know they say self-inflating but apparently uh, if you add a little bit of altitude to that they don't really self-inflate you need to blow them up yourself so I didn't realize that I go to lay on my pad and I'm like this thing is the most worthless piece of junk I've ever found um, I'm sleeping just on the ground this might be even worse so that was the first disappointment um, and then I lay down and immediately roll right into the side of my tent because I'm laying on a hill and I'm just completely cockeyed. 
So I lay there for a bit trying to like convince myself this is comfortable enough to get sleep and it just does not work. I there's no way I'm going to be able to sleep more than 15 minutes at a time like this. So I come, you know, I I kind of discuss it with myself and I'm like, well, I could just pack up, find a better spot and then set up camp again. And I was like, no, I am way too tired. I'm just I'm dogged. So I come up with this solution that I'm going to turn my tent so that my feet are facing downhill. And then I'll bring my pack, sit it inside of my tent at my feet so that my feet come up and kind of level me out um, so that I can sleep. And it actually winds up working halfway decently outside of the discomfort of basically laying on the ground because I didn't realize you know, what I had to do with my sleeping pad. Um, I woke up a few times throughout the night and had to kind of adjust, but other than that, I mean, I slept pretty good. Um, stayed really warm. My sleeping bag, uh, did exactly what I needed it to do. Um, I didn't really push it and I didn't really put it to the test because I was sleeping in all of my clothes. So, you know, I added a decent amount of insulation just in that regard, but it, overall it wasn't bad. Um, so I wake up the next morning about 5 a.m. And I look out, and it's still pretty dark. So I just kind of lay my head back down and, uh, you know, wake up again about 5.30, and it, it's starting to kind of get light. So I'm like, all right, so get my, my boots on, get myself together, um, throw some junk in my pack, and then I walk, you know, maybe 30 yards to this little... Um, little peak at the ridge that overlooked this entire valley. I could see the entire valley below us, and I could see the uh, the entire adjacent valley kind of heading off to our east. And so I set up my glassing station. Um, throw, you know, pull out the, the tripod, throw the binos on it, and then I boil some water, have a cup of coffee, and and make my uh, mountain house biscuits and gravy. And I'm just I'm happy. Um, and again, I still don't know that these guys are like really freaking out about me missing. I think, you know, everybody's good with the way the world is and, uh, you know, I'll just catch up with them, but you know, I don't want to be hiking while it's prime glassing time. So I was like, I'm going to eat my breakfast. I'm going to glass. You know, that's what we're here for. We're here to scout. So that's what I'm doing. And, uh, and then I, I start hearing this weird almost like a an owl hooting the sound but not the cadence and i'm like well that sounds like just a person i was like well that's they're probably look, just trying to locate me so i start whistling back and you know every once in a while i hear it and then i whistle back but then nothing changes i look around i don't see anybody and i'm like okay so then i'm starting to like question myself as to, is this an actual animal is this like some crazy species that has never been discovered and I'm about to be famous. Um, but apparently not. Uh, after, I don't know, about an hour of this, um, I happen to look down into the valley that I'm glassing and I see Jay uh, walking around and I, and I hear him calling. So I whistle back and then when I start waving my arms and, and so he can see me and uh, he sees me and he starts making his way up to me and uh, he gets there and... and 
uh, he gives me a big old hug and, and he apologizes profusely, um, saying how, it, you know, they shouldn't have ever left me and, and you know, we're not ever going to do this again and, and we're not doing, you know, we're going to stay within eyesight at all times and, and all this. And, you know, that's when I first realized that they were kind of freaked out of their whole situation. And I tell them, like, I don't care at all. Like, that's, you know, the reason I bring all of the gear that I need in my pack so I can, you know, just do what I do. But they were not okay with that. <clears throat> and I can understand. Um, so we pack up camp, and uh, he hikes me back to the actual lake, uh, which was not the lake that I thought. Um, I It was actually more on the on the uh, western side of where I was. So I thought I was northwest of the lake. I actually wanted to be northeast of the lake. Um, and I was 30 yards off the trail. Um, which is really weird that I couldn't hear them. Um, well, I mean, I guess unless they walked past me after I'd already knocked out, because when I knock out, I'm done. But uh, so we walked back there, and, uh, you know, Kip comes up, and he tells me, he said, I'm sorry. And, you know, uh, Jay asked if I can, if he can use my spot messenger to text his wife because he'd already told her and, and they were kind of already making a plan to, to figure out how to find me and all this other stuff. So, um, I actually wound up feeling pretty bad about the whole situation because again, I was on the other side of it and I was on the side of the guy who was apparently lost, who didn't really think he was lost and was fine just camping on his own. I mean, it didn't bother me at all. I, I had a pretty good night's sleep. Um, but I wound up feeling kind of bad about that because again, they were, they were pretty freaked out over the whole situation. Um, which is something that we're going to discuss later as uh, a lesson learned. Um, and that's big for me because I, uh, this, again, a lot of this stuff is new to me. I've never been a backpack hunter. Um, and when I've hunted, you know, even on day trips, it was, you know, we, just kind of meandered together. It was never one of these things where there was such a huge difference, or if there was, um, you know, they would hold back and we would stay together. So that was definitely a lesson that we that we picked up off of that. Um, but anyway, so we hung out a bit. They they ate their breakfast and packed their camp up. I just kind of hung out. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a plug for uh, Wilderness Athlete, their Hydrate and Recover. Um, I I honestly, I'm not going to say that it's like magical, you know, amazingness that just made me the best hiker on the planet, but I felt an instant boost. I felt even just a little bit of not really, uh, kind of like a soreness cramping almost kind of a thing. I, I, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but after I drank that, I just, I felt... I knew I started feeling a lot better. Um, you know, I'm sure there's other stuff out there that will do the exact same thing, but those are the guys I decided to go with, and it worked really, really well and tasted absolutely great. So, awesome stuff. Um, if you're looking for something like that, some electrolyte mix, uh, that's the one I suggest. But anyway, so we uh, get everything packed up, and then we start discussing what we want to do. Um, and like I said earlier, we kind of walked a good portion of this on the ridge um, at, at a pretty high elevation. I want to say where we were, um, we started, yeah, the trailhead is at 8,800 feet 
Um, the highest elevation you go to is 11,365 with an average gain of 452 feet a mile. Um, so it's a decent, and that's if you follow the trail. We did not follow the trail, so ours was a little bit different than that, a little bit steeper. But uh, so, you know, we were at this higher elevation, and then we're above tree line. So we decided, let's let's actually follow this trail, because if you follow the trail back to the truck the way that it's designed, then you wind up uh, down in the valley, which is where we thought we needed to be to be able to see elk and moose, because uh, we just we were not seeing any sign whatsoever of either one of them uh, at the elevation we were. Uh, we saw plenty of moose. I mean, that was that was the coolest part of this entire trip is the amount of moose that we saw. I got some great pictures. Um, I didn't see the giant bull that they did, but uh, uh, Jay, who's, you know, he's a Colorado native and he's been hunting, uh, I don't know, somewhere in the neighborhood of eight to ten years now. And uh, he says it's the biggest bull moose he's ever seen. So I would assume that's a pretty substantial-sized moose. But... Regardless, so we decide, yep, let's just uh, let's take the trail down into the valley, and that will get us all the way back to the truck. And with the timing of the way things are, that'll probably get us back to the truck uh, at the time we want to get out of there. Um, so that's what we do. And uh, link up with this uh, this guy, and I, I want I'll call him his wife. I don't know, it's either his wife or daughter. I, I couldn't tell you. But really nice guy, really helpful. Um, he's one of those hikers. I don't, I don't know if he hunts, but he has knowledge like a hunter. Um, he can kind of give you the ideas of where he's been. You know, he hikes so often, he can tell you where he's been seeing elk, where he's been seeing muleys, you know, all this other stuff, um, and, and willing to share it. And so, just a, a really cool guy. And uh, good lord, was he fast! Uh, he was doing a day hike. So he did the hike that we did the night prior and was going up to this lake, like, you know, hanging out for a few minutes, and then he was hiking right back to his car. Um, and he and he passed us up. Um, so, you know, he was definitely in pretty excellent shape. But anyway, so we start heading off down this trail, and we're, we're taking our time. So the decision had been made, even though I told them, and I think, and from what they told me, they already knew what my answer was going to be. And they said that I was outvoted before I even said a word. And that is that I didn't care if they left me. That I knew, you know, I could follow the trail. Or even if I got lost on the trail, or, or if I lost the trail, I knew that all I had to do was walk north. I walked north to this valley, to the end of the valley, and there's our, you know, I got to climb up a hill and then I'm I'm walking down to the trailhead. So I knew how to get back to the truck. But they said there was no way that was going to happen. Um, I was taking lead and I was like, well, I hope you like walking slow because I am not even close to fast. But we take off and uh, and we're kind of, you know, we are going slower than what they would go. But I also... Not to say that I do it intentionally. I know I'm a slow hiker. I I, I have every intention of continuing to, to work on my um, physical fitness, my cardio and everything to become a much better hiker. But even if I were in better shape, I like moving slow. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not the kind of hunter or even just the kind of guy in general who's on a mission to get to a certain point. I like to see what's in my area, and I like to kind of get to know that area. 
And if I get to, you know, where my ultimate goal is, great. If not, okay. I, I learned a lot about all the ground that I covered. Whereas if I just barreled through, I don't know anything about the stuff that I just went through. I just know about where I'm at. And that's not what I, uh, that's not what I want to do. What I want to do is, is, you know, like I said, I want to get to know the terrain that I'm in. Um, so that's what we're doing. You know, we walk away, we'll find a little meadow or something like that. I'll stop. I'll start glassing a little bit, you know, checking things out and then we'll move on. And that suits my current physical shape because again, I, I have, I learned over the last couple weekends that I am in excellent shape to walk in a flat ground, low elevate, lower elevation. I mean, no matter what, I'm at, you know, over 5,000 feet right now, but I can do that for days. Um, as soon as you add elevation, um, you know, up and down, it, it really, it really makes it hard on me. Um, and that's something I'm going to have to work on, you know, for next season. It's a little late now. I mean, I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm, when I'm walking, it's cause I'm actually hunting, but I, uh, for next year, that's going to be my ultimate goal is to really improve my cardio to, to try to be able to. Because I think I've got the legs right now. I don't think I have the lungs. I mean, I'm sitting here at home, you know, the day after I got back, and I'm, I don't feel sore at all in my legs. Uh, my shoulders are really sore for other reasons, but my legs actually don't feel bad at all. Um, but my lungs, they're just not there. And uh, anyway, so we're walking, and, and we're taking our sweet time. I, I mean, I think maybe we got on the trail around 8, 9 o'clock, maybe. I, I'm not really pot it might have been later than that i'm not really sure but we're you know we're not in a huge rush which is the whole thing that i want to do with this uh scouting trip anyway is i want to just take our time um i told my wife you know i will be home saturday but i don't know when you know it could be midnight uh, or it could be five o'clock or whatever so we're hiking along and uh, we're just not seeing a lot of what we're looking for i'm, I'm not seeing really any tracks, any droppings, any actual live animals, you know, I'm just not getting a whole lot of indication that there's animals here, uh, but we just keep going, and, and, you know, the way it works on this is that uh, you drop, you know, maybe a thousand feet of elevation, I, I'm not 100% positive, and all the way down to this valley, and then you walk, you know, basically kind of flat um, for the whole length of this valley, and, uh, I want to say the entire trip from the lake back to the truck was, I, th I think Kip said, just over five miles. And I would say, reasonably speaking, four of it is in this valley, um, or at least three and a half. But once you get down there, it's it just looks like prime habitat. Um, there's woods and plenty of, of water sources, so... Um, you know, playing the water source like you would in in those areas that are more dry is just not possible. I mean, you could walk 10 feet in any direction and find water there. So that kind of puts it out. But it does answer one of the questions that I had for our own purposes was if we were going to have trouble finding water sources for our own use. Um, and obviously not. As long as you had, you know, purification um, or filtration or whatever, then uh, everything would be fine. But we're just kind of treading along stopping from time to time um and this is when um my pack starts really not making me happy 
So, if you wear a pack properly, uh, the majority of the weight should be on your hips. Because um, by doing so, one, uh, the weight is being held by bone and not muscle. And it's central to your body, um, which means that at that really mainly your legs, which is the largest muscle group on your body, I think. I'm not really like that good at anatomy, but I know that your legs are pretty freaking big. So, but it puts, you know, the weight, the weight mainly on, onto your legs. Um, and my pack was not doing that. My pack, it felt like it kept sliding and just taking all the weight off of my belt and putting it straight onto my shoulders. And we stopped several times and, and just kept finagling with it and, it, nothing was working, and I was so frustrated because I'm t- like, you know, again, I was struggling enough um, just to walk this this trail. I, you know, it's it's hard for me. Um, if you're able to to bust through this stuff with no problem, you know, good on you. Uh, you know, you should be proud of yourself. But you know, it's still hard for me to do it. Um, I do it, I get through it, but I'm not going to do it as fast as a lot of people can. But then adding that on top of it, it was just getting really really frustrating and uh, then it starts raining and I don't mind the rain um, you know I, I even told the guys it's like this you know the way that the clouds looked the way that it was just it wasn't like pouring rain but it was a you know just a good you know little drizzle a little harder than a drizzle um, and, you know and then we're in these pines and it's really green I was like man this reminds me of living in Washington and uh but with my rain gear on, it felt like it slid even more, which, you know, is, is I guess, explainable because, you know, your rain gear is slicker. Um, it's looser on you and things like that. But I still was just like, this It's just not right. Like, I have heard nothing but good things about these packs. I've been using these packs, you know, or this pack of mine, at least on flat ground for quite a while now, and have had pretty good luck with it. Haven't really had any serious issues. Um, you know, so what in the world is going on with this thing? And we just keep messing with it and messing with it, and nothing works. I, I basically finished the day um, with just pretty much carrying most of the, all the weight on my shoulders, and I feel it today. My shoulders are pretty stinking sore. But... Um, you know, we, we do wind up finding um, a little bit of sign throughout all of this uh, belly aching that I have, you know, come up with and, and reasons to slow down and, and whatever. But, uh, you know, I find some fresh elk droppings, a um, couple of good um, piles of that on a pretty decent game trail. The uh, the guy that um, I spoke about earlier that I said was hiking, you know, doing a day hike up there, um, he had said that he had uh, come across a couple of uh, muley does on his way through. So, <clears throat> we, you know, we're kind of, we're not getting the exact results that we want, but we are seeing that th- there are animals here. Now, how many is yet to be known, and how many people hunt this is another one. If this is an area of a low population density of animals, and a low population density of hunters, that, you know, could still, uh, you know, equal success. Um, Might, you know, have more days of sitting around and not seeing anything, but not competing with hunters um, can, you know, 
that that's a definitely a positive thing. Now, if you have a low population density of animals with a high population density of hunters, I mean, that's just, you know, good luck. You know, do your absolute best. You know, maybe try to play it to where you are the guy that the animals are running to after they've been spooked by all the other hunters or whatever. But, you know, then you're just it's it's a harder situation to put yourself in. You need you need low or high on both sides. If you're gonna have a high population of hunters, you need a high population of animals. If you're gonna have a low population of animals, you need to have a low population of hunters. If you you know, the only time it really becomes a a, a great situation is if you have a high population of animals and a low population of hunters. But in Colorado, good luck ever finding that. Um, or if you do find it, you know, what it's probably going to draw out at like, you know, 250 preference points. But anyway, so, you know, we, we kind of get to the end of, of where we're scouting and now we're just kind of hiking out. And I, uh, you know, this, this pack, I, I'm almost to the point, and I will tell you, if I didn't have a lot of gear, in this pack, um, I probably would have left it hanging on the trailhead sign and, and said free to a good home. I was so sick and tired of this stupid thing. And on top of that, to add insult to injury, um, not that I'm actually upset with him about it, but, you know, you see, you know, uh, Jay walking around and he's got this amazing Kafaru pack. Um, you know, he talks about it and said he got a really good deal on it. I'm not upset that he did it, but man, I'm like looking at his pack and I'm like, man, you know, I'm about to go home and tell the wife that, uh, we're, we're just going to need to go dump about 1200 bucks in a new pack and, uh, you know, go ahead and get the divorce papers ready because I know that's where we're heading. Anyway, so I wind up having a little heart to heart with my pack and, and kind of explained to, to the pack that, uh, if things don't turn around um you know it's it's going to a new home or the dumpster because i i want to save somebody else the heartache of dealing with this piece of junk so anyway we wind up hiking out and uh it's a pretty it's a pretty tough last push um you know it's not crazy but i'm i'm pretty well gassed at this point and so getting to that peak was a pretty good accomplishment in my opinion just because uh it it was it was a tough hike for me it was a a really eye-opening experience as far as uh how you know this upcoming season is going to look for me and uh you know I went in with about a 40 pound pack or a 50 pound pack I'm sorry about 48 pounds I think is what I weighed out at and uh and I've already come to the conclusion that there's some stuff that's not going on the hunt with me that I thought was going to be necessary. Um, and now I've convinced myself that I no longer need it. But, um, so anyway, you know, we, we get through it, get back to the truck, dump the pack, and then uh, we head on home. I get home. I have an amazing wife who made me pizza and hot wings because I was absolutely starving, even though I probably took in close to 2,000 calories in just the half a day that we spent, you know, before we got to the truck. So I guess next we'll kind of go into what went wrong with this entire ordeal, and and then we'll talk about how we fix it.
So if you can't tell already, I would say we have a pretty decent list of the things that went wrong in this uh, adventure of ours. But this is exactly why we did this. Uh, we wanted to find out what this unit looked like, or this area of the unit looked like anyway. And I wanted to test my gear. And, and um, the guys I hunt with, too, they had some new stuff, too, that they wanted to test out. And so... You know, that was the whole point of this, was a learning experience. What worked, what didn't work, you know, what do we need to fix, you know, what is a must-fix before hunting season? What is, you know, what are our overall opinions of this? And uh, so we learned a lot, or at least I did, I'll say. You know, I can't speak for them, but for me, I definitely took a lot away from this. And the first one being, don't 100% trust your online scouting. Online scouting is absolutely amazing. It has come so far, you know, since I was a kid um, with satellite imagery, with Google Earth, with Onyx, with um, all these different forums that talk about the different units, with, you know, the, the hunting atlas that Colorado has. Um, I don't know if other states do, but Colorado has a, has a really cool tool in that um, with their mapping system, you know, that tracks the, the different species and all of that. So there's a ton of different resources to do your scouting. But just understand that looking at a picture is completely different than looking at something in real life. I'll tell you, when, when we were looking at the pictures of this unit and where we were going to be, I thought it was going to be a cakewalk. I thought it was maybe 100, 200 feet of elevation gain to the top of this ridge. And then basically walking this ridge was like walking on the sidewalk. Um, you know, just really gradual, you know, stuff with, with no major anything to deal with and uh we wound up being pretty wrong on that um like i said we wound up you know mountain climbing uh for the most part and and just learning a, a lot about what this area actually looked like and came to realize that you know we hiked um i you know i don't know the actual straight line distance you know from the truck to the lake but I want to say it was, you know, like when we hiked on the ridge, it was like, you know, four miles or something. When we actually took the trail, it was over five. So it's a ways back there. And we found out that the habitat we liked the best for, you know, hunting or for looking for these animals was really close to our put-in place. Um, it was maybe two miles in, you know, into the trail. So... You know, that's that's the stuff that you learn when you actually get out there and do it. Now, not everybody can. You know, sometimes all you have is online scouting, and your first day in that unit is, is your actual day of hunting. And to that, I, I you know, you have to do the best with what you've got. But, uh, but you know, I would, I would definitely say the initial route we took was not great. Um, it wound up being a lot more of a headache than we wanted it to be. Um, secondly, and probably the most important part of this entire thing was us being separated. I have full faith and confidence that the guys I hunt with are fully capable of doing this by themselves. Um, you know, if we're all out hunting and I tell them, Hey, I'm going to just, you know, I'm going off this direction. I'll catch up with you guys tomorrow or in a couple of days or something like that. I know that I'll be okay. I know that they're going to be okay. 
So, you know, I don't have any real issues with that. But the problem that I found was that, again, when I was by myself, I knew that I was okay. They did not. And so they were the ones who were running around worried. You know, they were the ones who, I I don't think they made camp till after like 10 o'clock. So while they kept telling me that they were sorry, that it was on them for leaving me and all that, I'm the one that truly, I mean, I I truly feel guilty. Because I I didn't really think of it from that perspective. Had I, I probably would have put more effort into finding them um, so that they, you know, if anything, I could have at least seen them face to face and be like, yeah, my tent's already set up. I'm not moving. You know, y'all, y'all enjoy your night. Um, but I just didn't think of it that way. And so, you know, that's definitely something that went wrong and something that we did not plan for. Um, you know, before we all took off from the truck, you know, Jay was asking, he's like, okay, who has allergies to what? Um, you know, we're kind of discussing different things, you know, just in case we have an emergency or anything like that. But that was never anything we discussed. We never discussed what are we going to do to communicate if we get separated? What is the, you know, the plan if we get separated? Um, you know, there's a lot of different things that we could have done and we'll go over those to kind of, to discuss, you know, how to fix it. But, uh, that was definitely a huge thing that went wrong. Looking back now, I, I do. I feel I feel pretty horrible over kind of putting them through that. Um, next on that, I would say my uh, my pack was the other big takeaway from this. It, it was just horrendous. Um, but this is why it is so important to get your gear out and get it tested. Put it, you know, if all you can do is an overnighter, like that's perfect. Get out there, put some miles on in some actual, you know, decent terrain, you know, mimicking the terrain you'll be hunting if possible. Um, and, and really put your gear through it so that it can fail before you really need it. You know, had something failed Friday night, you know, I might have been a little uncomfortable, but I was going home Saturday. If I'm on a nine-day hunt and by day two all of my gear is wrecked, I I mean, am I really going to make it to day nine, to day ten, you know, whatever it is? Um, probably not. I'm probably going to, you know, try to suffer for a couple of days and then I'm going to be talking to whoever I'm with and saying, like, look, it's I, I got to go. Like, this is not working for me. So you want to make sure that your stuff's ready to go. Uh, my pack was not. Um, the weight that I had, you know, that's the big thing. Everything seems uh, like it's a necessity when you're sitting in your house and you're packing your bag. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll use this. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a great piece of equipment. Yeah. Um, you know, I know it's, you know, another two pounds, but I, you know, I just think it's going to really, you know, help me out. Um, you get out there and you put enough miles on and that weight is is tearing you up and you're going to start thinking differently about that stuff and saying, you know, really, I think I could have gotten away with a sleeping bag and a lighter and been fine. So really putting everything to work and, and making sure that it's going to do what you need it to do. And that's what I did. I found out that this pack was, it just was not up to snuff. Now, before you, you know, go and, and write horrible reviews for wilderness packs or, you know, call me a liar because I, I spoke so highly of them in previous episodes, um, let me get to how we fixed all of this stuff um, so that you can see it was not the pack but me being a complete moron. I think, you know, those were probably my biggest takeaways. You know, 
learning about the unit, I, I wouldn't call that a failure, like, oh, I picked the wrong place because we didn't see any animals. That was the whole purpose of this scouting trip. That is what scouting is about. Either find the animals or you find out there's no animals. And, and that's all there is to it. So you either get onto them and you're like, yeah, you know, you know, in a couple of weeks, this is going to be a great place to go. And I'm still kind of of that mindset. I saw enough sign there to say that, you know, especially when the rut starts kicking off, um, that might be a great place to hunt. But the one factor we do not know yet is the amount of hunters that are going to be up there. Because that I will say that if there's a lot of hunters up there, it's going to be um, a hard sell for me to, to want to be there. But like I said, I don't consider that a failure. Um, I consider that accomplishing exactly what we set out to accomplish. We, we tried to figure out what this unit looked like, and we have a pretty good understanding now uh, of what we're looking at. So... Let's just go ahead and get into how we solve these ridiculous problems. So to kind of go back to what I spoke about first with the online scouting, I kind of covered it already, but you know, I, I just want to reiterate, not everybody can do in-person scouting. So don't don't let what I say tell you that like it's a waste of time to do online scouting. It's not. It's not perfect. It's not 100% accurate. You know, a lot of times you'll get out there and see like that things are a little bit different than what you thought, but it still has a very good use um and especially if you're not from the area that you hunt. You know, I am blessed to live in Colorado and hunt in Colorado. Other people are not. You know, you have people who come from other states um, that don't even have elk or, or anything like this who don't really have any other choice other than to online scout. You know, they're not going to pay for a plane ticket to fly all the way out here to camp for a couple of days to fly home to fly back out in a couple of weeks. Now, maybe if possible, if you can, you know, come a day early and scout it out before, you know, and then wake up the next morning to, to actually start shooting. Um, you know, I would highly recommend that if that's doable for you um, because it's going to give you a head start. One day of recon uh, can give you a huge head start. You know, if you're on a four-day hunt um, and, and you already know kind of what the terrain is going to be like, you know, maybe you've already kind of got a, an idea of where the animals are, um, then you're way ahead of the game. So if, if at all possible, I, I would say that that's my, you know, um, I guess takeaway from this is that if at all possible, try to scout um, in person. If not, then, you know, use the tools that you have. It's an imperfect world. you got to make the best of what you got. Even guys who live in the state that they hunt, sometimes, you know, schedules just don't work out and you barely are able to get the time off to hunt. You know, you just you got to do the best with what you have. But if the opportunity presents itself to be able to get out there in person, don't pass it up. Um, it, it is information that is just so valuable. Um, so getting into being split up. <clears throat> so this was our failure. Um, you know, we could go back and forth all day about, you know, they felt responsible for leaving me behind. I felt responsible because I didn't think it was that big of a deal that I kind of just cut off after I lost them. 
Um, really, the I think you could probably just say you could put the burden of that on all of our shoulders. Um, we failed in one way or another, you know, all three of us. But the reality is that we failed from the beginning because we didn't come up with a plan of what to do if we get split up. And that's why all of this went wonky. Had we had a set plan of, hey, if we lose contact for more than 10 minutes, meet here. Or, you know, every mile we're going to set a marker on all of our, you know, GPSs so that if we, you know, again, if we lose sight of each other for more than 20 minutes, we know to return to the last marker, you know, whatever it is. Or have a communication device that, you know, you know, walkie-talkies or, you know, whatever. Um to just to be able to have that communication because had we had that then we wouldn't have had the issue that we had you know had we been able to talk on the on the radio i could just call them and say hey you know i'm lost but really not lost i don't i just i'm tired i'm going to sleep and uh, they could have either came and dragged my butt you know to the lake which again the trail was uh, like 30 yards from my camp and the lake was like I don't know, not even a half a mile. Um, and it was not the lake that I thought it was. Um, I thought I was northwest. I was actually northeast of the actual lake, which had a lot of water. Um, but regardless, um, that's the other thing, is learning your navigation. I've actually prided myself in the past with my navigation. I've always felt like and, and been able to prove that I'm I'm pretty decent at it. But... I also am guilty of doing, like, the lazy man reading of, like, oh, yeah, that looks like the lake. Yep, that's it. Okay. You know, instead of really looking at the the topo lines or even probably just the label, had I looked at actually the lake, it probably would have labeled the lake correctly, and then I would have been like, oh, you know, this is, you know, it's different than what I thought. But regardless, coming up with that plan... um, and that that includes if you're solo hunting. Actually, more importantly, if you're solo hunting, um, you need to have somebody who you check in with, whether that be your your significant other, a family member, a friend, a coworker, whatever it is. You should never, ever, 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 ever go into the mountains, into the woods, in, into any situation like that um, without somebody knowing the general area where you're going to be and a plan um, to to communicate somehow. You know, not everybody has, you know, like the uh, this this GPS device that I have um, or is going to have cell service or anything like that. But you set maybe a time limit of like, hey, you know, I'm going to be gone for two days. If you do not hear from me by day three, call somebody. Um you know, whatever it is, like you need to have a plan with your your buddies that you hunt with or with somebody back home when you leave or both um, because it's, it's peace of mind, you know, that it kind of takes some of that worry away from, you know, well, I don't know what's going on to, oh, okay, this is what's going on. He's just, you know, fat and slow, you know, it, it Really, it could have been them sitting around at camp making fun of me for not even being able to finish the last half mile um, to them walking an extra three miles because 
they had no idea what had happened to me. You know, from their explanation, they thought maybe that that cow moose had uh, charged me. You know, had had thought that I was threatening her calf and they had come after me, or that I had fallen off the side of the ridge or something like. They had no idea. <clears throat> so, you know, I did. I felt bad about that. And it and again, we can blame each other all day long for why it happened, but. The real fact is that we were all at fault because we did not come up with a plan prior. And that will never happen again. Now, that also came with another lesson that I'll take away from this. And that is know yourself. I I will I, I'm the first one to say that if you know that you need to push yourself, push your limits, um, and, and try to get better. But here's Here's where I will stop that and say you just need to do what you can do. And that's when you're hunting. When I am in, in, working out or I'm trying to, you know, get myself ready for hunting season, yeah, you know, push me. You know, try to make me go faster. Try to make me, you know, go further, go longer, you know, go harder, whatever. That's perfectly fine because I'm training. When it comes time to actually do the hunt, and this is – and I, I really learned this um, – on this this trip that we did and that is that I'm going to hunt the way that I hunt because if I try to do what you do if I try to keep up with the pace that you guys set or I try to go the distances that you guys go I'm not going to make it I'm going to be absolutely miserable and I don't hunt to be miserable yeah there's parts of it that are hard you know even when I'm going at my own pace I'm still you know pushing myself uh, it's still hard but there's a difference in, in just, you know, doing what you need to do for the hunt and, and just pushing yourself overboard to where by day three you are so gassed you can't even get out of your tent. You know, it is a it's it is a marathon, you know, it's not a sprint. If you're going on a ten day hunt, you've gotta you gotta have enough energy because you're not gonna sleep as good as you would at home. You're not gonna get as much sleep. You're going to be in a calorie deficit the entire time because of the amount of energy you're expending, you know, going up and down these hills and and the miles that you're putting in. So you've got to be able to pace yourself. Some guys are faster than others. Some guys can go longer than others. Some guys can put in 12 miles a day for 10 days straight, and, and it just doesn't bother them at all. Some guys like me, you know, if I put in five to six miles a day, you know, that's a pretty good day for me. Don't be embarrassed about that. Yeah, you should keep trying to improve. You should always keep trying to improve. Next year, my goal is to be, you know, a much better place than I am right now. But I am where I am right now. And I'm better than I was last year. But I am I am where I am. And I'm going to hunt at the level that I am this year. I'm not going to kill myself. And that's the plan. I, I you know, I, I kind of started talking with these guys, and I'm going to talk more with them over the, this next week, is that, you guys are, you know, the the two guys I hunt with are very comparable. Um, they both can kind of keep up with each other. They can, they have the kind of the same um, cardio. The the you know everything kind of lines up with them. So I'm telling, look, I have no problem with you guys going off and doing your thing. I'm gonna hunt my way though, because I'm not. I I've got to pace myself, or I'm not gonna make it. Um, and and you know call it what you want. You can say whatever you want. But at the end of the day, I'm old enough now to where I don't have anything to prove to anybody. I just need to be successful. I want to take home meat. And in order for me to do that, I need to give myself the most 
opportunities and the most time out in the field. And to do so is to hunt my style, to go at my pace. Um, so do the same thing. You know, I get it's the number one complaint for guides. You know, guides always say that the number one complaint is physical fitness, that their guys are just not ready to put in the miles that they are. And, and you know, I'll tell you right now, I if I hired a guide um, and they were trying to, you know, they'd probably be disappointed in me as well. But I'm hunting by myself. So the only person I'm going to disappoint my, is myself. And the only way that I'm going to disappoint myself is if I'm not successful with harvesting an animal. If I walk one half of one mile and shoot a doe muley, I am not going to look back at that and be like, man, I just didn't put the miles in like I wanted to. Or, you know, I didn't cover that half a mile in three minutes like I really wanted to. Like, No, I'm going to be ecstatic that I harvested a doe muley and I'm going to be even more ecstatic at the fact that I've only got to walk a half mile back to the truck. So really that that's a huge lesson that I took away from all of this is that do your own thing. If you're going to hunt with buddies, make sure you guys know your limitations. You know, there's nothing wrong with pushing yourself a little bit and trying to improve, but if you have a guy who can zip up the side of a mountain, you know, at double the speed that you can, it's not going to, it's not going to be great for either one of you because you're going to be dying trying to push up and you're not going to enjoy the hunt and your head's going to be down. You're going to be sweating, breathing hard, and you're not going to be hunting. At that point, you're just, you're, you're hiking. I want to hunt. I don't want to hike. And if you're that guy who can blow up the mountain, you're going to have to, you're constantly looking back or slowing down or whatever. Like, don't be afraid to just, you know, figure out a different way to hunt our intention at, at when this all started out um well actually when this all first started um kip and i were hunting um jay was hunting in a different area and then the more we talked and the more we talked the more we started working together and then we did a few hikes together and, and then especially after this weekend i noticed you know those those two guys are great together they you know they they can keep pace together really well and I am the one who holding them back so I have zero issue with them doing their thing me doing mine whether we set camp together you know that's fine and then we all you know we we separate from camp meet back you know that night or if we go out on our own for a couple days meet back in a couple days you know whatever we decide to do um or if they just decide look yeah you know it's it's perfectly fine I want to hunt your style. I really want to slow it down. Okay, that's perfectly fine. Um, But that's the thing is that, you know, I know what what I'm capable of. And I'm not going to kill myself, you know, just to try to keep up with you. And don't be afraid to to have that conversation with the guys you hunt with. Because it's going to be more enjoyable for everybody. At the end of the day, hunting is supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be a way to get out into nature, enjoy nature, harvest animals and all of that, but you're supposed to enjoy the entire process. There are sucky points to it, absolutely, but those also make the best stories. But it's, it should not be where you're just barreling through the woods, just trying to keep up with the guy in front of you. Like, enjoy what you're doing. Anyway, <clears throat> so, gear. Oh, my pack. My pack, my pack. That thing had me furious. Um, I actually, I woke up this morning, I put it, you know, I unpacked all my gear last night and laid it out so it could dry and, and so, you know, nothing mold up. And then I sat my pack down and I was done with it. I didn't want to look at it. I woke up this morning, I started researching packs. I was, you know, 
I'm, I'm under the gun at this point because um, I'm leaving Friday for my archery hunt. Uh, so my season officially starts Friday. So I've got like four days to <clears throat> figure out a new pack. And, you know, I finally go grab my pack and I'm just kind of looking at it. I'm like, well, is there anything I can do to make this thing at least sort of work um, to get me through this year? Because I think if I try to go tell my wife right now that I need to spend, you know, $1,000 on a new pack while we also have a child on the way, um, she's going to lose her mind. And that would be pretty stupid on my part. <clears throat> so I'm just kind of looking at it and, and trying to figure it out. And I kind of think back to a gun that I was working on um, not too long ago that I, I took to the range and... I had finished doing everything. I had to do a new trigger on it. It was an AR-15, and I had to put a new trigger in. And I was shooting it, and it would not, the trigger would not reset. And I could not figure out what in the world was going on. It was making me frustrated because the gun itself was frustrating to work on. And and Kip asked me, he's like, did you put everything in correctly? Are there any of the springs backwards? And he kind of said it jokingly because another gun I had worked on prior to that, a, a guy had built, and he put the trigger springs in backwards. Um, so he kind of said it jokingly, and I was like, no, I know, you know, I, I don't, couldn't even tell you at this point how many ARs I've built, and I know how to do it. Um, I got it home, opened it up, looked down at the spring, and I'm like, crap. I put one of the, I, I put the hammer spring in, uh, backwards, so it didn't have enough tension to actually reset. So I felt really, really stupid. Um, but luckily, I figured out the problem. It shot just fine. I, you know, so it all was good. But looking at my pack, that thought came back to me of like, because when I bought this pack, I had completely disassembled it um, to clean it. Because the guy who I bought it from, he had actually used it the season prior, and and I think he got a maybe a muley or something or an antelope um, but it still had hair and a little bit of blood on it and things like that so I just wanted to you know to make it mine I wanted to tear it all down clean the whole thing up and, and you know get it back in perfect shape so the thought came through my head um, did I assemble this correctly because my pack is an external frame if you if you're interested it's wilderness packs uh, wilderness pack specialties specialties um, just google search them my pack's an external frame, and everything can come off. So it comes with a meat shelf, um, it comes with the pack, comes with a hip belt, comes with the straps, shoulder straps. All of that can be completely removed from the frame, piece by piece. Um, so the thought comes through my head, did I assemble this pack correctly? Um, so I get on their website, and, you know, if you are listening out there, Wilderness Pack people... Um, some YouTube videos or some step-by-step -step instructions or something would be just amazing. Because basically what I had to do was find pictures of my pack and just zoom in on them to see how they had it assembled. And wouldn't you know, I had not assembled my pack correctly at all. And what I had found out was that I thought my belt was slipping. Um, but what was happening was my whole pack was slipping on my straps so my straps were not set right so my whole pack would just kind of slide down with that weight and it was dropping everything onto my shoulders and making me absolutely miserable um, so after researching this and figuring it all out and and finally doing it correctly after feeling like a complete moron uh, I put the pack back on 
and wouldn't you know it, it it straps up perfectly um you know i've got load lifters on it so when i cinch down those load lifters i, I can feel the gap um from my shoulder straps um coming up and really putting that weight into my hips so um i had to have another heart to heart and explain that uh i was the one in the wrong and uh that my pack um, at least for now is going to continue on through this season um now if we continue to have issues after the umpteen different things i've done to make it right um yeah then we're gonna have a different conversation come springtime but for now, I think that problem has been solved. But that is the exact reason why getting your gear out and, and doing some form of testing with it is so much better than just trying to go out in the woods with brand new crap and hope that it works great. Because if I had done that on our 10-day hunt, I mean, I, I just would have been miserable. I probably would have spent half a day just trying to figure out how to make my pack work instead of hunting. Um, but as it was... You know, I just got through that that day and a half of hiking that we had to do and got it home, and and now, you know, I've got it fixed. Um, The other thing I've I've discovered is the weight that I don't need. Um, I will tell you right now, my spotting scope is out. Um, I know that there's a use for it. I know that it could be helpful, but I also know that it is heavy. Um, let me let me pull this up really quick here if I can. So it's a Vanguard Endeavor, fifteen to forty-five by sixty. It is fifty-eight ounces just for the spotting scope. The spotting scope by itself is fifty-eight point one ounces, which if you make that pounds, that's three point six pounds, over three and a half pounds of weight just in that spotting scope. Um, I'll tell you, I'm I'm having a lot of um, thoughts in my head about leaving my bipo- or my tripod behind. I love being able to sit, throw my binos on the adapter, and sit behind my tripod for hours in glass. I mean, it's so comfortable to do so. I can sit there with my against my pack. You know, I can gnaw on a snack. I can drink some coffee. I you know I can do all sorts of stuff. My binos are just right there. You know, I sit up, look through my binos. I, I love that, but. Again, 72 and a half ounces just in my bipod. I have a Vanguard Alta 264, four and a half pounds. If I left my spotting scope and tripod at home, I save myself eight pounds. I go from a 50 pound pack to about a 40 pound pack. And I mean, just like that. So that's, that's another great thing about doing these, these little scouting trips, these overnight trips, you know, whatever is that it really makes you go through your gear and determine, do I really need it? And I guarantee you, there's there's more than likely the first time you do this going to be at least one or two things that you say, no, I don't. I don't need this. Um, it's not worth the wait. On different trips, maybe so. If I'm doing a base camp and I'm just, uh, you know, doing day trips out of my base camp, okay, um, maybe a little extra weight it wouldn't be a big deal. But as it stands right now, I want to be as light as humanly possible. So I I guess in a short amount of time, like I said, we, we left Denver at about, I'd say, 1 o'clock. Um, we actually got out of the Denver metro area. 1 o'clock on Friday. I got home, 
what, I don't know, maybe 8 o'clock on uh, last night. 7, 8 o'clock last night. So that's uh, 31 hours. 31 hours that I was out of the city, out in the woods, out in the mountains. And I learned more about my cardio, about my physical fitness, about my gear, uh, about my overall readiness for the hunting season than I have in the last six months of training. So that's a huge, huge thing. If you possibly can, get out there and and just do whatever you can. You know, whether it's if it's just a day, you know, leaving five in the morning, stay out all day long, come home in the evening, you know, whatever it is. If you can just get out there, put some miles in, check this gear, you know, it's just it's invaluable it's just completely invaluable i I can't speak enough about it um i feel in a much better place now than i did before learned a lot but we'll see we'll see how much i've learned we'll see if i can finally put you know the the three years of hunting into into you know, the culmination of harvesting an animal this year. And that's what we're going into next week or well, this week. Now um, I'm leaving Friday. I'm off Friday through Monday. So uh, I don't know how I'm going to do it. The initial plan was I was going to leave Friday uh, after half a day work and not come home until I either had an animal or until Monday night. Um, Some things have kind of changed. It might be that I hunt I leave Friday, come back Saturday night, uh, leave Sunday afternoon, come back Monday night. I'm not positive yet. Uh, that's yet to be determined. But either way, I'm going to be in the woods with a bow searching for some muleys uh, this coming weekend. It'll be a solo hunt. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I hope I report back to you guys with a successful harvest and some meat uh, in the freezer by the time we talk next. Um it will be delayed because, again, I'm going to be in the woods um, on Monday, so probably not going to get uh, a uh, another episode till later on in the week. But it will it will definitely, hopefully, be full of stories of my success. If not, you'll get quite a bit of anecdotal uh, stories of what not to do. But until then, I am the amateur hunter, and I will see you guys next week. Thank you.